0: Okay, we're about there. Good evening and greetings once again from Roswell, New Mexico, the official birthplace of the vast right-wing conspiracy... You're listening to Live from Roswell, and I'm your host, Guy Malone. We're broadcasting live on 105.3 FM in New Orleans and globally over the Internet on the Paranormal Radio Network. Thanks for joining us, and welcome also to all of you listening to us on your cell phone tonight using UpSnap, which is a totally free service to you. You can check out this program's website, livefromroswell.com, for full details on the many, many ways you can listen to us wherever in the world you are. We have uh, for our guest tonight is Jeff Peckman, and that's a name I think many of you know from tons of news reports that have been flying around the Internet just in recent weeks, and uh, they've landed Jeff on many mainstream programs as well, including Larry King and even David Letterman. But Jeff is the chief proponent of a ballot initiative known as the Extraterrestrial Affairs Commission, where he is petitioning his local government in Denver to create a commission to acknowledge and to deal with the extraterrestrial presence he contends is here among us and to have a government uh, that's ready to deal with it openly and talk about it to the public and make policies in regard to that. You can uh, join in the conversation tonight anytime you feel like you have a question or you want to pose a comment for myself or Jeff. You can send your questions to me via email at talktome, T-A-L-K-T-O-M-E, at livefromroswell.com. I uh, love it when you give me a first name in the city or area that you're writing in from. And if you're listening to us on Pal Talk as well, you can come in on the virtual auditorium. And we've got a little um, virtual auditorium slash chat room going back and forth where I'm on it. And many of the people who are listening to this program are listening to it over their computer speakers. So you can join in on that as well just by going to livefromrosville.com and learning ...about the Pal talk download, and then you could actually uh, talk with us while we're doing the program. But after a few inconvenient reschedules due to Hurricane Gustav, we have finally got Jeff on the program tonight... ...to tell us about the initiative, what was going on, and what he's going to be doing about this in the future. I look forward to finding out what's happening in local politics when someone brings up the UFO question, problem... ...or anything like that having to do with it, and how governments interact with the citizens on this topic... So thank you very much, and welcome to our program, Jeff.
1: Thank you for inviting me on. I've been looking forward to it. Bumped. Thank God that
0: uh, Joe in New Orleans and his wife Linda and everyone were fine, and that the station that he uh, produces this program from suffered no real setbacks or any damage due to the hurricane.
1: Yeah, I'm, and glad.
0: I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, so that put us off. You know, I, I think uh, we were much more akin to breaking news when you and I first talked about coming on the program. But um, I think the deadline that you were up against has already come and gone now. uh, If you don't mind letting us just start off, let you do some talking here. Give me uh, a little idea, our listeners here, both of your general background, and then describe the Extraterrestrial Affairs Committee and your initiative for us, please.
1: All right. Well, uh, since a very young age, I've just been interested in a lot of different kinds of solutions and connecting with the larger world and the universe. So I've taught uh, meditation, I've practiced it for many years, promoted natural health care systems, clean energy solutions, and have done a couple of other ballot initiatives. And uh, this one was very special. It came up kind of quickly because I had uh, heard the experiences of Stan Romanek, who's had multiple interactions, over 100 unique experiences with uh, extraterrestrials, their craft, uh, all kinds of things, a wide range of things. And uh, I thought, you know, this is this is great. This confirms what I sort of believed. And I thought, now everybody's going to hear about it because he's, you know, it's real. And then uh, nothing really came from that in the media. Then I heard John Schuessler, who had been a NASA engineer, talk about. He had a stack of uh, uh, documents, declassified documents, and he had worked at NASA. He had uh, firsthand knowledge of stuff going on in NASA. Uh, for instance, photos that they had uh, with UFOs from the first Apollo flights that they sort of tucked away and nobody saw. And uh, they seemed to routinely remove images of UFOs and even extraterrestrials from their photos uh, so that we can't find out about it. And uh, I thought, well, now that confirms the government conspiracy part of it, the cover-up, and he had proof of that. But at the end of his talk, he said, you know, I don't expect the government to disclose this information in my lifetime. And oh. I just about leapt out of my seat and I said, hold, hold, <laughs> hold on here. First of all, we are the government right in this room. Those of us, we're the people, we, we are the government. We're the people, right? Right. And secondly, because of Stan's evidence, there's obviously enough evidence in the private sector that we can get this directly to the people. We don't have to wait for Congress or the White House or the intelligence agencies. We can get this directly to the people through a ballot initiative, and I knew how to do that. So by the time I got home from that lecture, uh, March of actually this year, I pretty much had the concept figured out and got right to work uh, well, ask, to develop it. But before you uh,
0: describe that process, is was this lecture that you
1: saw like your first real
0: exposure to the reality of the UFO phenomenon? Uh,
1: I would say so. Yes, it was Stan's lecture was about May of. Uh, Last year, and then I saw it again in January of this year. And by the way, the media was invited to uh, to see that in his, his alien in the window video, but uh-huh. they didn't come. And uh, but when because of this initiative had already gotten a lot of media. Uh, when I invited him to show it again, then all of a sudden it was you know big news all over the world, which is kind of interesting. So, uh, so did you yeah. get to see that thing live?
0: Because I've tried to find that video online, and from what I understand, um, they're holding on to it, maybe to sell it as a DVD, but I know there's like copies of this Alien in the Window thing, spoofs even. You know, people trying to make fun of it or recreate it and show how simple it is. But did you actually, you were there in the room, I'm imagining, you mm-hmm. saw this uh, Alien in the Window thing live, didn't you?
1: Well, uh, live, I mean, I saw the video. He yeah, the saw video. The video. Uh, but th- in the first talk, it? the first lecture, uh, May of last year, he um, he only showed a still photo from it, and mm-hmm. that was already convincing enough. So when we saw the uh, few hundred of us in a room, saw it in January of this year, and he actually showed the the video, it was you know dead quiet. People were on the edge of their seats, and you could hear this. Oh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so it was, a, you know, it really was a final confirmation of what you really believe to be real already. And uh, by itself, you know, if you just threw it on TV in, in the middle of something else, you know, people probably wouldn't pay much attention. But uh, as just a piece of his larger body of evidence, it is very compelling, very convincing.
0: So you are uh, taken in by the video. And I'm just, I'm just surprised uh, at what I asked you a second ago. You went from living a fairly normal life Will assume and solve just one really convincing UFO lecture, and that has been enough to motiv- motivate you and to dig into this topic. And then you're getting worldwide press just because you went from seeing one really good convincing UFO lecture, huh?
1: Right, but it also fits with my orientation towards trying to you know solve the world's problems. I, sure, I've been interested in that for a long time, and because of the government cover up and the and that involves cover up. Uh, of clean energy technologies, both of extraterrestrial origin and even of uh, human origin patents, thousands of clean energy-related patents that have been illegally sequestered from the patent office and used in these covert projects, Uh, that all disturbs me. And there gets to be a point where you just say, you know, I've had enough. (laughs) I'm not going to rely on Congress. I know how to do something myself. And gosh darn it, you know, I'm just going to go out and try to make a dent in this thing
0: that's how the extra campaign got started then. Huh? Exactly. All right, so as before I so rudely interrupted you,
1: tell us exactly what this initiative is designed to do. It will create a commission of 7 members and they will uh it'll be funded entirely by grants, gifts and donations, but it'll really be a, an official kind of acknowledgement as a commission within the city of Denver uh, established by the by the voters. It will uh Mostly this body will be an information collecting and dissemination body. It will gather the best available, credible evidence about the potential presence, the the previous visits of these extraterrestrial beings, intelligent beings, and ongoing interactions. It will share that with the public, and it will share that with different city agencies, departments who would have a reason to know for safety, for health, even for cultural Affairs, cultural enrichment, Mm -hmm. and so it's that kind of body. It collects the information, shares it, but it it would also evaluate potential risks and benefits of these uh, of these interactions between human beings and these extraterrestrial beings. It would evaluate the preparedness of the different city departments. Uh, One thing that came up after I had already uh, developed this ballot initiative is that fire departments already have some training. It's in their fire training manual how to deal with yeah. UFOs. I've and, heard
0: that. Yeah, and yeah. Uh,
1: you, can, you can find it online. You can get the exact text of what they're trained. So the city councils everywhere already approve in their budget um, some amount of money for training at least their fire department to deal with these things. And I'm, we're not talking about invasion. I never talked about that yeah. ever. It was the media who kind of hyped that angle just to, you know, so it's such as like, <laughs> if, if a UFO crashes in your city or municipality. That's right. Even if the firefighters
0: are already taught what to do with this.
1: That's right. Well, you know, there have been incidents where a craft has landed, uh, bent waters, and the the people at the base in England, uh, military personnel, they actually were close enough to put their hands on it. Now, maybe that's not a good thing to do. <laughs> you know, maybe there maybe there could be some contamination, even if it's a friendly visit and uh, the interaction might spark some new health concern. So there's a reason to, uh, to be concerned. And so we would just want to be sure that Denver is prepared, as we've understood FEMA uh, is prepared, and certain other you know small groups of people within the federal government, they, they know what to do. They know how to do it. They know what to expect, and they've been interacting for many decades with these extraterrestrial beings. Did you were you kind of implying that this would not really be funded to have this
0: uh, committee in place in the city of Denver? That it wouldn't be funded solely from tax dollars,
1: right? It wouldn't be funded at all from tax at dollars. Oh, okay. Very specific that it would not require any fiscal outlay from the city budget. All comes from grants, gifts, and donations. Did you have people lined up ready to donate or to give you grants? No, not yet. We would approach that as you know we'd. It doesn't really become um, a legitimate thing. and It doesn't become real until you turn in the signatures. And Correct. then that's normally, guys, this is the funny thing. Two previous ballot initiatives I've done got similar amount of worldwide attention, uh, but that was only after the signatures were turned in. My, the publicity for this actually started when I submitted a draft of this initiative to the city attorney just for a review, didn't even tell anybody about it, didn't call up the media and said, hey, guess what I'm doing. I just I had to do this as a matter of uh, legal procedure, and a very alert uh, Rocky Mountain News reporter, Jan- Daniel Chacon, saw that. That was his beat, one of his beats, and he did a little article on it, and boom, the whole just sparked this wildfire, this grassroots wildfire interest throughout the media, and within 30 days, there had been between 60 and 70 Interviews, radio, TV, uh, newspaper, Uh, as you said, Letterman, Geraldo, Larry King. Uh, I looked, you know, I was checking the websites. There were, you know, 4,000 blogs talking about it, 300,000 websites with my name on it, you know, in reference to this thing. And that was in 24 different languages. And half of that was, uh, you know, 147,000 were in Spanish. Four thousand in Arabic and about ten thousand in Chinese. You were not even in thirty seeking days promotion or to publicize
0: this yet, huh?
1: What's that? You were not
0: even seeking promotion or publicity at the time. That's
1: right. I had other it's stuff fast. to do, and I figured I had a good three months uh, of quiet time <laughs> before I needed to think about interviews. And all of a sudden, it was on me, and I was I was involved uh, supposed to be involved in a competition in Aspen, a design competition for a public thing, and. Uh, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, and it was six weeks of nonstop interviews and just trying to keep my head above water. Yeah, Jeff, I
0: get uh, Google forwards me any news report that shows up anywhere that they index on news sites with the word UFO, and it seems like uh, right after you you got this thing going, you know, the the first story I guess was in the Denver paper you said, but man, it was just dozens. There was a flood of email after email after email talking about. City of Denver examining whether or not to examine the extraterrestrial presence or and the initiative that you were doing, all while you weren't even looking for publicity yet. But you mentioned that you needed, normally, your normal process for bringing a ballot initiative on any governmental issue was you had to have a certain amount of signatures in order to present
1: it to the City Council. Is that right? That's right. That's very typical. It's It's not standard throughout all the ten thousand or so cities and towns that allow this but there's typically some percentage of some number like the number of people that voted for mayor before or the total number of registered voters or some something like that a percentage of people you get them to sign the petition then it's submitted and that's how it gets on the ballot
0: so what i read
1: originally
0: uh... This is months, or well over a month ago now was that to get it on the ballot, to get the city to discuss it seriously, you had to like pound the pavement and get 4,000 Denver citizens to sign your petition, correct? That's correct. Okay, and how did that wind up going? What was the number you got?
1: Well, what's happened now is that uh, I'll I'll mention that we've started over, uh, because partly because all of the publicity came so fast and so furiously that (laughs) it uh, it took me two months to finally get the uh, petitioning underway. And then there was this Aspen competition, and then you know a family reunion. And we're, I was about halfway through the six-month period that we had, and realizing you know we have less than 25 percent of the signatures we need. And besides, what started dawning on me was that it could have been better. The, what was in the ballot initiative, what was required, could have been much better. So that kind of evolved into revising the entire thing at making some major changes from the first draft, uh, the first approved petition, and then resubmitting it, basically starting over. And it's turned out to be a real blessing. I mean, uh, the November ballot, uh, which we were initially shooting for, but that would have taken a miracle because we really only had about six weeks to collect Uh these signatures instead of six months. Um, That has a record number of initiatives and referenda on it this year, more than Uh in the last 90 years, something like 18 different things that people have to vote on. That's addition in addition to candidates and presidential election. So I didn't even know that at the time, but that's happening. And then the May 2009 election that we're targeting now, I was informed just a couple of weeks ago by the city attorney that there are no candidates and no other issues, and it might actually be the only issue <laughs> on the ballot. Uh-huh. So, uh, so because of that and because he mentioned that a, 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 an election costs about half a million dollars uh, on the low end, in denver i said he wanted me to think about postponing it till november 2009 but you know something guy there's some issues here with you know what the government's been doing denying us benefits of these clean technologies and all that uh, that i think that's just waiting too long i mean there's a there's you know there's an urgency to some of this stuff so i said well look the city council can pass this on their own can't they and he said yeah so i said all right if they do that, then we don't need to go to the ballot. They can do it now, save the money from the election, and provide the benefits of this commission to the people starting right away instead of six months or 12 months from now. So that's there's two things going on. There's two legs right now. One is that I've just printed up the petitions today, ready to start that over again. But at the same time, I'm inviting the city council to... You know, adopt this as their own bill, run it through the system as if it was a the city council bill, and just pass it. And I've offered, even if they don't pass it, but they at least hold a public hearing and make a good faith effort to pass it, to evaluate it, to explore it, to make their decision, even if they make that attempt but don't ultimately pass it, just by virtue of getting that Information, engaging the public in that way, I would be willing to put this off till November 2009. But if they totally blow it off and just, you know, stick their you know, thumb their nose at it and say, we're not going to do this. It's stupid. No, there aren't any UFOs. There's no ETs. Uh-huh. I'll have a clear conscience going on in May, even if it does cost half a million dollars. Because I, I calculated that, you know, with NASA's budget being over $15 billion a year, to, a lot of that to look for intelligent life in outer space while I know that they're simultaneously removing images and hiding pictures of UFOs and extraterrestrials so that they can come back again for another $15 million, <laughs> uh, that portion, uh, Denver's portion of that, is about 25 or $30 million a year that they're contributing. Wow. And to me, that constitutes fraud. And so, you know, I'm going to push this forward through the city council or through, uh, you know, with the voters, put it on the ballot one way or the other, you know, I just think it's something that has to be done.
0: You said you've got a new petition written up and ready now. Is that on your website, which we should have mentioned earlier on? I apologize. Yes, um,
1: actually, uh, you go to the right on the home page, extra Campaign, www.extracampaign.org. Extra is the usual spelling, E-X-T-R-A, campaign.org. Left side, you can click on see the the actual text on the right side. You can click on and and I'd actually urge all the listeners. I'm going to urge everybody I know, click on that right side and you'll get to the list of the city council members in Denver. Send them an email, give them a call, send them a fax, send them a letter, and just urge them to pass this for the kinds of reasons that you'll see on the home page of you know the NASA thing, the, the taking away you know the illegal sequestering of these patents, just the whole knowledge of this reality being hidden from us. Those are all good reasons. So I would urge all the listeners to go right to that website as soon as they can and just start, I would say, flooding <laughs> flooding the city council with this because this really is, as you can tell, an issue that's important to the whole world. And Denver's very eager to bring visitors to you know, buy things in Denver for tax base and all that. So I think that Denver should repay that to the rest of the world by being the first place to officially recognize this reality of these extraterrestrials, to recognize our right to know about it, to exploit any opportunities for mutual benefit. You know, There's just a lot to this commission, that a lot of benefit to it for the people. They should have those benefits.
0: I'm on your uh, site, extracampaign.org, and on the right, under Breaking News and Red Letters, the link to a revised petition actually doesn't bring up anything right now.
1: Okay, does it bring anything on the right side, on the left side?
0: The left side ballot initiative? Yeah. I'll see revised version. Um, no, it's an oops, page not found.
1: Okay, I'll go back and uh, correct that. Especially during our
0: break here, um, in half an hour, maybe you can do that, but... Well, um, I'm curious, how does the text of this petition actually read? What are you asking
1: the city of Denver to actually do? Well, there's a, there's a few definitions. It starts out with definitions of an extraterrestrial intelligent being, of an extraterrestrial vehicle, and exopolitics, which is the study of individuals and political and other institutions and processes associated with extraterrestrial life. So what it does, the very first responsibility um, is of the... Uh, Commission is to obtain and provide the most accurate, complete, and relevant information available to city, government, personnel, and residents about extraterrestrial intelligent beings on Earth. Uh, There's actually seven different, very specific uh, responsibilities. I'll read one more, just to assist residents and visitors in reporting sightings or interactions with extraterrestrial intelligent beings or their vehicles and referring them to the proper and most appropriate public or private service agencies. And then it goes on. uh, One is to develop protocols. This is an important one. It really goes beyond the issues of Denver. To develop protocols for peaceful and diplomatic contact with extraterrestrial beings in the event of contact. Okay,
0: Like Uh, if they initiate contact with
1: us? Right. Either way, just, you know, (laughs) because there have been incidents where... A craft would show up. Maybe a uh, little being would walk out, and uh, on it happened. They happened to be on an army base, and it got shot. <laughs> Which now, of course, you know you, you can't where, where do you attribute that, that just to some some uh, fear of extraterrestrials. I mean, if anybody walks on an authorized <laughs> person goes on an army base, they're probably going to get shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not
0: like you can pull your car up to Area 52 and expect them to greet you with cheese and wine. Right. It's still a military installation, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now, you said that... Uh, were you speaking of a specific incident where an entity got shot, or is that like an Internet folklore? Uh,
1: no, this was from one of the uh, witnesses in Stephen Greer's uh, disclosure project, and it was the incident at uh, Fort Dix, and the entity was shot at Fort Dix and kind of ran over the... Uh, mcguire air force base and they found it on the runway okay
0: so you're saying that the government from a military base actually has a dead body that they shot probably still in possession i guess oh yeah
1: yeah and you know within the disclosure project and this is something i emphasize a lot on my website because it's been such a great source of information Mm -hmm. these uh these whistleblowers people who had you know, four or five hundred of these people had top secret security clearance. They had direct interactions with these extraterrestrial beings, with their crafts, most of which was in covert operations uh, that you know the public never knows about, doesn't even know how they get funded. And uh, there've been reports of dozens of these species, dozens of different species involved, and uh, cataloged, categorized, and crafts of all kinds going on for decades, and very. Vivid, clear reports of phenomenal kinds of behavior of their crafts zipping around our nuclear missiles, you know, and shooting down a, one of the, shooting off one of the heads of a nuclear missile that was kind of going up in the sky, uh, showing up, flying circles around our fastest craft, and then just you know buzzing off. I mean, <laughs> it's embarrassing when you think yeah, about
0: it. I'm going to have you uh, go into that in a second. We're, we've already passed the bottom of the hour. And i just got to work in a real quick station ID. It's not even a commercial, but you're listening to Live from Roswell. I'm your host, Guy Malone. We're broadcasting globally from sunny Roswell, New Mexico, on the Paranormal Radio Network and 105.3 FM in New Orleans and on hundreds of cell phones in the United States, thanks to Upsnap. You can listen to this program and all Paranormal Radio Network programming on your cell phone simply by calling 704 631 and then enter a four-digit station ID code 2899, and that's entirely free. You can visit com for that number or to uh, do it on a different weekend or this weekend. Uh, We're speaking tonight with Jeff Jeff Peckman, the chief proponent of the Extraterrestrial Affairs Commission, and that's a Denver, Colorado ballot initiative whereby Jeff is petitioning his local government to create a commission to acknowledge and deal with an extraterrestrial presence he contends is here among us. We invite you to join in the conversation on our toll-free number, 877-786-0562, or just by emailing me at talktome, T-A-L-K-T-O-M-E, at com, if you'd like to uh, pose a question to Jeff. And what you were speaking about was um, some of the stories that you know are out there from the Disclosure Project and stuff like that, but I know you're 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 trying to get this ballot in front of a city council who has probably not done near the research or is even aware of the UFO uh problem, the UFO existence or anything like that. Um my a question I want to ask, but is how seriously are they taking you?
1: Well, they're taking me seriously because they know I can get it on the ballot. Uh Based, Based on, on your past record? That's correct. And okay. they're also aware of how much media attention has been on this that's thing from like day one. Uh, the last time it caught them off guard, when I did a previous initiative on a topic um, that was not really very well known to people anyway. Now, you take this, this issue where, you know, polls going back 10, 20 years, the majority of the people believe there's extraterrestrial life. The majority believe that they visited Earth. The majority believe that the government's been covering it up. So, there's no, uh, you, you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> That's kind of those statistics. And with Dr. Edgar Mitchell coming out recently with his affirmation that, uh, you know, affirming that, yes, this is all true. Roswell did involve a craft of extraterrestrial origin, intelligent beings of extraterrestrial origin. Uh, that was true. The government's been covering it up. You know, they had their legitimate reasons initially, but for most of the last 60 years, it's been. For reasons that are really not in the best interest of the public, so you see, uh, just kind of a an avalanche of information coming out about this. Um, they don't think out of the box once they get elected, for sure. They yeah. actually are the box <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> at that point. But you know, I have uh, you know, hope springs eternal, and I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. And uh, I think if they start hearing from a lot of people, I haven't. This is the first time I've even attempted to do this. This is why the links probably aren't working because I just updated the website just so that people could uh, learn to see they could see how to contact the Denver City Council. I think it's time that the City Council realizes it's not just me doing this. That there's a lot of interest around the world. They could they could become a model. They could you know set a whole new trend in openness in government and. Uh, but you know, they're still bogged down by the normal zoning issues and potholes and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, they got stuff to do. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, this is this is important. Uh I think it was the author Russian author Dostoyevsky who's credited with saying that nothing makes a man focus like standing in front of a firing squad. And you know, evidently that's come right. from somebody who's been there done that. <laughs> Right, so you're uh, putting them in front of the firing squad, huh? Yeah, just to get them to focus, not to shoot them.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay,
1: yeah. This isn't well, about revenge or anything. Uh, I know that there's some people who would, you know, like to think that way—that we just, you know, gather up all the people who have been keeping this a secret and put them in prison or something. That's not what this initiative is all about. It's really about open, honest discussion and engaging everybody in this this topic. So
0: are you finding that you are having to take the city council members and supply them with a ton of convincing evidence that there even is a UFO phenomenon to deal with? Uh,
1: I have sent them emails. I've made a point in press releases to start informing them, uh, summarizing some of the points that I've made here about the, you know, the NASA, what I would call fraud, the, uh, the patents that are missing, the cover-up, uh, what's at stake and how many UFO sightings there are, and how it's increasing. You know, So as as I can, I, I haven't been able to sit down with any of them and give them a full-blown uh, kind of presentation. But I think they're getting the idea that there's a lot going on here.
0: Yeah, I've noticed your website uh, contains very prominent links to Disclosure Project, to the Black Vault, and a lot of uh, sources for just UFO-related data that, so any outside observer should be pretty convincing. I was just wondering, are they bothering? You, you said you hadn't sat down with them. Do you have any indication that any of them are actually bothering to do some of this research? Uh,
1: not yet. I've been trying to schedule something with a uh, uh, my, local, my city council person for this district, and we've missed calls, uh, you know, misconnecting over the last two days. Uh, but I felt, you know, it was just time to start letting them know, and uh, I don't really want to burden them with a lot of unnecessary emails, but I, I just get a sense that they're hoping they can just ignore it and that I'll go away, <laughs> and or they'll deal with it later. Of course, you know, this week with all the upheavals, I mean, that's, you know, that, and that's affecting their budget uh, considerations at this point. But um, I'm just trying, I am trying to brief, you know, anybody that I can with what is available and just see what happens from that okay now you
0: said that the the goal of the commission was to create a body of people did you say seven people that's correct seven people who would just more or less deal with the ufo issue informing the public and things like that who would actually uh would that seven people with that group be made up of city council or government officials or Well, actually you know it's, I'm sorry. go ahead yeah i was
1: just saying who who are you
0: going to put on a panel like that
1: well, when we when this first started, there were 11 members uh, mandated, and four of those would have been from city government, one city council member, one from the Department of Safety, one Department of uh, Human Services, and one from the Office of Cultural Affairs. Uh, but uh, one of the things I realized is that that, that, that was not entirely a voluntary position, <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. and also we could not count... On people in from those different areas of government, actually having a working knowledge of this topic, Mm -hmm. so rather than wasting everybody's time and and having people volunteer for something that they really might not want to do, I removed those four positions, left it with seven members, and then raised the bar for the other seven members such that one expert would be, uh, one person would be expert in the witness testimony of the kind that the Uh, Disclosure Project has. Uh, One would have a Ph.D. in the natural sciences, like physics, astronomy, meteorology, and biology. One would have a Ph.D. in social sciences, so sociology, political science. There would be a medical doctor who is a published author with expertise on the UFO extraterrestrial topic. There would be one expert with five years' experience in investigations of UFO extraterrestrial encounters and they would have needed to have authored uh, at least one book or three articles in a scholarly journal, Uh, one expert with a certificate or diploma in exopolitics who's worked with a UFO or exopolitical organization with a 501c3 status in the U.S. or equivalent in other nations, and the last one would be an expert who has consulted at least 100 people regarding their alleged close encounters with extraterrestrial beings and has a Ph.D., in psychology or another suitable social science discipline. So you see, wow. before it was just, you know, whoever, won, whoever from Denver kind of was open minded and, you know, serious about the issue. Now it sets very specific criteria such that, uh, and that was because I found out that there were so many of these people <laughs> in the world, which I didn't know about when I first uh, drafted this, this ordinance.
0: Well, so by setting the, the bar so high and, and being that specific, in your requirements to be on that panel, do you have certain individuals, certain people in mind that you want to fill them, or is it still pretty
1: wide open as long as you meet the qualifications? Well, it's wide open. In fact, uh, one of the third major change uh, was that it states that uh, the commission shall consist of seven regular volunteer members. Appointed by the mayor who shall give preference to four residents of Denver who satisfy the selection criteria um, but the members who are not Denver residents may participate from anywhere in the universe by any means available and uh, you know <laughs> I know that sounds kind of wacky at first but I when I was uh, getting ready to go on David Letterman's show, they gave me this uh, release paper to sign and I read through it. And there was this phrase in there that said that uh, they had. Uh, I was releasing to them the rights to uh, use my image anywhere throughout the universe in perpetuity. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's pretty expansive thinking. And then I saw it in another contract, and I realized, you know, this has just become sort of standard uh, legal language Legal-y. contracts where people just want, you know, total total rights to something. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well that's you know that's a good way to you know I mean hey, if they can use it, then why not for a commission that is specifically about uh things elsewhere in the universe I have a uh,
0: listener who's uh, shooting in a question asking, Is Dr. Stephen Greer a definite final candidate for a place on the extraterrestrial Affairs Commission
1: well, uh what I've done uh, when i just before this hearing um that's not for me to say. I would say candidate, I'd say, yeah, there's a lot of people who are candidates. Uh, I sent out an email to a bunch of, of the people that I know in this field just the day before I went into the, uh, to review it with the city attorney. And I said, you know, there's regular members who are going to be appointed by the mayor, but there can be uh, advisory members, people who, you know, really don't want to get into the, the details of a commission. But might have a particular skill or piece of knowledge that's useful according to the needs of the commission at any given time. And I said, so you know, who wants to be on the commission? You know, either as a regular or advisory member. And within a couple hours, I got nine responses. Uh, Dr. Greer was one. More, than eight of them were for advisory positions as advisory members. But uh, Alfred Weber with uh, Exopolitics Radio. He actually, uh, he had been, you know, in Jimmy Carter's, uh, he had been an advisor in one of, that, one of uh, Carter's projects related to extraterrestrials, and uh, he offered to be on either, on, in either capacity, a regular member or an advisory member. So, uh, you know, there's, there are certainly people who inspired these different categories, and when I realized that even within a short time, I had become acquainted with some of these people that could fill those positions. I realized that there were a lot more, and there were people, you know, out of outside the United States that I didn't even email just because, for lack of time. People who are already organ- have already organized uh, college credit-bearing courses uh, in Hong Kong on exopolitics, and uh, I just heard that there was a guy who got a PhD in Australia in ufology. I heard that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it it might Asian. be a great interview for you. Yeah, he invented the curriculum, I believe, right? What's that? I think, did he invent his own curriculum and get the college to approve it?
1: I'm not sure, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it sounds like the kind of thing that uh, would be done for a PhD, mm-hmm. so it wouldn't surprise me. So, but back to
0: like the actual commission itself you're saying um, that at least four of those people would have to be Denver residents?
1: No, only uh, preference would be given to four people from Denver, but even in that okay. case, they'd still have to satisfy the, the criteria that's established.
0: And when you were saying uh, you're opening up uh, your website, like you've got it posted, the, the congressmen and the city council members on your website, you were wanting to encourage listeners and other people to get involved with this. seeing as how I don't live in Denver and most of the people listening to the program don't, what good does it actually do to send an email or letter?
1: Well, I I think what it does is it lets the city of Denver know how important this is to the rest of the world. Uh, Because, you know, Denver just hosted the Democratic Convention and there are 17,000 media folks from all over the world here. And so obviously Denver is, is known to the world. And why should Denver not be model for the world. Already the mayor of Denver uh, likes to think of Denver as being a model for the world. And uh, Denver, I think the, uh, they, they pride themselves, the city council prides uh, Denver on having the first, having opened the first trade office in China. So, you know, wow. they are thinking outside the boundaries of Denver in many different ways. And Denver is really becoming a kind of a world-class city. So it makes sense you know a lot of these important things uh, legislation uh, transformations in our society very often started with what a few people in Selma that Where? refused to go to the back of the bus or a town in some other place that allowed you know women to the right to vote or somebody fasting in India to protest in injustices there so very many of these things happen on a very small scale and not as some sudden massive thing that everybody's coordinated on you know, the level of uh, national administration. So Denver could certainly serve that role. I'm glad you mentioned the Democratic Convention here, because
0: I wanted to ask you, because I saw many news stories right before the convention that suggested that you were attempting to get an audience with, or maybe somehow just present information on UFOs. And aliens to Barack Obama while he was in town, right? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, did you think, or how did that go? What did you actually try to do, or how were you met?
1: Well, I really, I really just uh, informed somebody that I knew that was part of the Progressive uh, Democrats in Colorado uh, what I was hoping to achieve, and also sent out this press release. And from that, that got picked up in a few places. Um, actually, there was a. A D.C. correspondent for, I think it was the uh, London Daily Telegraph called me back in June and said, you know, what are you thinking about the the convention? I said, well, you know, I think it's a good time for this issue to be raised. And uh, then the next day in the headline of the paper was, you know, alien video guy uh, asked for (laughs) Obama's support and (laughs)
0: something
1: like that, you know. (laughs) wasn't quite what I said. But it, it gave me the the idea that well I, sh- I suppose I should at least try to make that connection, and I had remembered in the presidential uh, primary debate last October, about the end of October, where Senator Obama was asked by Tim Russert uh, if he agreed because after Dennis Kucinich had talked about his mm-hmm. uh, UFO experience, then against Ru- his will, <laughs> yeah, then Russert asked uh, Senator Obama if he agreed with uh, three. A, a former Apollo astronauts, that there was life beyond Earth. And Obama said, I don't know and I don't uh, pretend to know or presume to know, I think is what he said. Mm-hmm. And my response was, you know, he should know. <laughs> if he doesn't know, he's, he better know soon, because uh, how could you not know something that is of such great importance and so, uh, so, well, so important to so many people? the large percentage of the majority of americans really you know this is kind of an important issue it may not uh compare with you know losing their job or you know having their kids go to a good school but still there there's in their quiet moments they think you know this something's going on and we want to know and i think right now we do have a need to know despite what the intelligence agencies say and sir so senator obama certainly should i would hate to see him Ask this question again, and a year later, say he still doesn't know. He says, "I don't know again." Right? It's like he hasn't. It's not like he hasn't been given an opportunity to know. And so, therefore, he really needs to come up with a better answer. Asked uh, in, in a future debate. So, did they uh, contact you back, or give you
0: a, a, a denial or an acceptance of anything to do with your initiative? Or no, no.
1: And, or you, and you know that, you that was right been, before yeah. the these conventions, and the conventions are so scripted anyway. Uh, yeah. You know, even people who, you know, very high-ranking people within the party, uh, it's, they have to be very careful what they say. It's just it's just organized right down to the second in every word, and that's to be expected. So I'm just on record as having made the, uh, the offer, and, you know, down the road, who knows, somebody might just say, hey, you know, we, we think it's time to probably explore this a little bit, probably after the election. Take you up on it later if, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, and it wouldn't necessarily be me uh, meeting with Senator Obama. I would certainly try to bring in uh, Dr. Greer and, you know, whoever are really the best experts in this to make it worthwhile and not waste the time of, uh, you know, the Senator or the President Obama at that, that point.
0: Well, if you got uh, the ballot approved and, and the Extraterrestrial Affairs Commission started there in Denver, is that
1: would you actually be on the panel yourself? I don't qualify, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I raised the bar high enough uh so that I wouldn't so that people wouldn't think I was just creating a position for myself. Okay. Are these even paid positions? Do so people get paid to sit in on them? Well, it is again uh, funded entirely by grants, gifts and donations. So if it really took off and was something uh you know, recognized as extremely important and the money was there, then Sure, I think having paid positions, it's something that they would decide, and uh, they'd certainly have to be accountable to the public, but I think it would be justified, certainly, to have those kinds of positions uh, supporting people full-time because of all the work that needs to be done. Right on. And so um, the
0: previous initiative that you really didn't have time to work on that needed 4,000 signatures, are you going to have to match that? Are you going to have to gain 4,000 signatures?
1: we're starting over. So, mm-hmm. whatever signatures we had collected already will not be valid for this new mm-hmm. uh, new petition.
0: So, what happens if you get all the signatures you need on a petition? What does the city, what are they required by law? How do they have to respond once once you get it there?
1: They count up the signatures and if we've met the requirement of having, I think it's 3,974 Signatures from registered Denver voters, then it could put on the next available ballot. If we do that by about the first week of February, it will go on the ballot in May. If we do it, you know, later than February, uh, like into March, we we only have six months anyway at maximum, Mm. no matter what. So, but if we do it into March, then it means it would go on the November ballot. And then what happens?
0: They vote on whether to create the, cam- the uh, committee or not.
1: Yes. It's, uh, what, what would be on the ballot is this question. It's fairly short. It says, Shall the voters for the city and county of Denver an ad- adopt an initiated ordinance to require the creation of an extraterrestrial affairs commission to help ensure the health, safety, and cultural awareness of Denver residents and visitors in relation to potential encounters or interactions with extraterrestrial intelligent beings or their vehicles and fund such commission from grants, gifts, and donations, yes or no. So in the election, people will see this. They will vote either yes or no. If The we, people? The, oh, the voters, the regular voters. Okay, okay, got Not it. Not the city council. They only right. count for okay. one vote, just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if it passes with a simple majority... Then it becomes an ordinance on the books in the city of Denver. And uh, for at least for six months, anyway, uh, we have ourselves an extraterrestrial affairs commission. Now, the city council, after six months, by a supermajority, could simply repeal the ordinance, and that would be it. Uh, you know, we could do it again. I think we could actually collect signatures, more signatures, and put it into the city charter. And then they couldn't; they would not have that right. Then it could only be repealed by the voters. But uh, you know, given I think six months of having a commission, I seriously, and the kind of information that would come out and be made available to the people, I seriously doubt that they would, uh, you know, just repeal it and abolish the commission out of spite <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like that if this actually passes, gets on the ballot?
0: And then the uh, the people of the city of Denver actually vote to approve it. That the uh, you feel like the city council or at least some form of government would try to shut it down pretty quickly and say we don't want to deal with this or we don't have the time we don't want to stick. Well, they could
1: not for they couldn't do anything for six months. Mm-hmm. They just have to wait the six months. After six months, the city council on its own supermajority could just uh, repeal it, and that would shut it down. But it really hardly matters by that time because the intent was really to bring the citizens of Denver kind of up to speed and allow them to be informed because knowledge is empowering. And having this kind of knowledge would empower them to make their own decision about whether or not they acknowledge the existence of these extraterrestrial beings, whether they believe it, whether they have an attitude of seeking cooperation and peaceful relations, it really should be their decision. It should not be a decision made by some secret little group of people tucked away in a secret place in Washington, D.C. And So you're,
0: you're essentially like you're trying to do at the local level of government what Stephen Greer or Stephen Bassett have been working on on the federal level. Correct. And when
1: Dr. Greer was here in July... He mentioned several times the importance of this occurring at a grassroots level directly to the people because the Congress members of Congress and other people that he met with in Washington DC, very high ranking military people, you know, they they just basically threw up their hands and said, you know, we're stuck. Things just don't work that way. (laughs) You know, we can't Uh we can't move forward with this. It's the kind of issue that has to take place at a grassroots level. And that's been the value of ballot initiatives in the history of our country. Uh, Providing women with the right to vote, that started with ballot initiatives. Oh, really? Yeah. It it did not start on a national level. It started, I think, first in Oregon or maybe Wyoming. And it uh, it was an initiative. And, you know, because the First Amendment guarantees the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances, and I think the Tenth Amendment has something to do with, you know, whatever powers are not given to the you know, federal level or to the state are reserved for the people. So you put those two things together, and even in the Colorado Constitution, I believe the first right is the right of initiative and referendum for the people, because that is just a you know, very pure form of democracy. Uh, a lot of legislators don't like that. They get irritated. They don't like to be, uh, you know, I think the word would be dissed. <laughs> uh, disrespected uh, to have us you know what this really does is it goes over the heads of congress and the white house directly to the people because what james madison said in the federalist papers he said the people are the only legitimate fountain of power and it, mm-hmm. then he went on to say that it's from that that all the other powers of government are derived so really you know even when people ask me they say well you know Isn't this something, uh, why don't you do it on a state level or a federal level? Well, the federal level doesn't have ballot initiatives, and they're obviously not going to do anything with this anytime soon. And so really going directly to the people is to the highest power, in my opinion. And the fact that it happens to be a local event does not in any way diminish its value to the larger uh, national scene or the global scene.
0: Great. Uh, I think we're about to break here for our our one-hour commercial break. When we get back, I'll probably have you uh, tell me a little bit about um, why you what what you use to actually prove that there's a secret going on. What does the government know? What have presidents said or not said or done or what done? If, If you're trying to convince a city council to take this seriously, if it's okay with you, we may just start on figuring out how to. Uh, how you're going to convince our listeners of the same thing. Does that sound okay? Sure. Okay. And um, we'll be back in just a few minutes on Live from Roswell. And listeners, you can take the time to email me at com with a question or comment for Jeff. We're going to play a little music and some station commercials about other programming you can find on the Paranormal Radio Network. Uh, uh, that's your cue, Joe. Mr. Montado, you can take us out for a little while and join us back in about six or seven minutes here on Live from Roswell. Hey, welcome back once again to Live from Roswell. I'm your host, Guy Malone. We're broadcasting to you globally from sunny Roswell, New Mexico, on the Paranormal Radio Network and on UPRN 105.3 FM in New Orleans. A reminder that our program is always sponsored in part by Alien Resistance HQ, aka AlienResistance.org, featuring biblical perspectives on UFOs and abductions as well as DVDs from the past UFO conferences we've held here in Sunny Roswell. Uh, those DVDs are all available on a name-your-own-price donations basis at alienresistance.org, ancientofdays.net, and roswellufoconference.com. Tonight we're resuming a conversation with Jeff Peckman. He's the chief proponent of the Extraterrestrial Affairs Commission, a Denver-Colorado ballot initiative whereby Jeff is petitioning his local government to create a commission to acknowledge and deal with an extraterrestrial presence he contends is here among us. And you can see links to his site right now. Jeff's site is extracampaign.org, and that is linked from this program's website, livefromroswell.com, or in the archives page if you are, in fact, listening to an archive of this program. I'd like to thank John Greenwald of the Black Vault for syndicating our program on Black Vault Radio Network, and you can join us by calling right now toll-free with a question for myself or for Jeff Beckman at 877-786-0562 or send me a question on email at me at livefromroswell.com. And, Jeff, before we get back into uh, some of the stuff, I'm going to ask you to just sort of share uh, what you've been sharing with the city of Denver officials on the proof of an extraterrestrial presence among us. But one thing we mentioned that we were definitely uh, curious about talking about is, um, did you see the ABC News special this week um, on UFOs, Seeing is Believing? Uh, yes, I did. Okay, because I worked evenings and I missed it. I have not had a chance to even talk to many people about what they thought of the program of it. How did you like it?
1: Well, um, it was somewhat as I predicted in that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took the it took the direction of well now that the media and the government seem to not be able to contain this information anymore what appears to be happening is that they're steering it in the direction to convince people that any kind of extraterrestrial presence is a bad one that it should be feared that uh, and ultimately that I believe is meant to play into the agenda of weaponizing space and increasing, uh, you know, the military-industrial complex even more, um, because in throughout the whole hour and a half, there was nothing in there that suggested that an interaction with extraterrestrial species would in any way be of benefit to our human population. Just the opposite. Everything. Anybody that they talked to that said they had had contact with these extraterrestrial beings. Um, You know, one person related some story that sounded like it was, you know, baby snatching. You know, her baby was taken by the ETs. Another, that the guy said he was afraid he was going to die because there were four ETs around him. Another woman, I was talking just about the abduction experience, and it just looked all very dark and negative and, you know, Meant to create fear amongst people, and that is one one scenario that I, I mentioned to a, a number of other people that they should be alert to, because it's kind of like the horse is out of the barn, now just kind of steer it into the corral, and I believe that what that you know of the desired corral that satisfies some agenda, and it's as if they were operating on the uh, theory that uh, people who have are tired of being starved will. Except eating poison, poisonous food, because so much of it was either just totally wrong. Even the Roswell piece. Uh, once again, they they show the the photographs. They you know talk about the weather. The going from the weather balloon to Project Mogul, which was some you know tinfoil covered balloons or detecting Russian nuclear blasts or something like that. And they did this clever little thing where they kind of took. Uh, Pieces of that structure of that that secret project and superimposed it onto the picture where uh, Jesse Mar- Marcel is his name I believe where he was kind of kneeling down in front of it and so it looked like it fit exactly as if to convince you to say see it really wasn't a you <laughs> and you know everybody I think by now knows that, that that he was forced to stage that photo with material that was not the material that he had found. Uh, collected and brought into town or to the base that was of an extraterrestrial nature. And so that really irritated a lot of people that ABC was just rehashing some old footage, adding a little bit of stuff about Stephenville, Texas, uh, but basically steering the whole thing into more m- disinformation or misinformation. And, uh, you know, somebody just said, well, just tell the, tell the media, tell ABC to, you know, throw them a kiss, wave them goodbye, and say, you know, we obviously can't count on you for being truthful in your news. Well, I know
0: that, the, uh, especially with the uh, listenership we have here, uh, being part of the iCar network, um, that the, I think in the news, the, uh, the abductee voice has actually gone sort of unheard. Are you, are you saying that you really don't believe that those are valid concerns, that um, all extraterrestrial contact is a good thing and is never
1: bad or hurtful to people? No, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't say that. Because, you know, look at, even on our own planet, uh, we've got, uh, you know, microscopic flesh-eating bacteria that can consume a human being, and we have enormous, you know, whales and elephants that just eat vegetation and plankton. (laughs) You know, there's so much diversity of life, you know, in every square inch of our planet that I have to believe that there's a full range of, life forms and motivations coming from uh, civilizations that are not from this planet. Now, I know that there are people who believe that extraterrestrials that have visited Earth are only friendly and and benevolent, and it's possible, but also there's, I think within those same camps, there's a recognition that extraterrestrials have sort of confined us to our planet because we intended and have tried to uh, and nuclear weapons out and explode them in space outside of our atmosphere, which apparently is not acceptable to these other races. So if if they're containing us in some way because of our hostile uh, tendencies, then it's very possible that they and logical that they would contain other species because of their hostile tendencies, which may mean that the extraterrestrials that visit Earth are the most friendly among them. Now, it's also uh, I believe that you know they may have their sort of mixed mixed motivations uh, amongst some species that some are genuinely very benevolent very you know ancient civilizations very wise uh, very concerned about welfare really kind of representing the best of our humanity in that sense uh, and then there could be other species that are somewhere in between and others that are just kind of you know stumbling around the universe just and what they can, you know, pillage and plunder. <laughs> I, I do think there's, a, you know, a full range. So, uh, But the, the ABC thing was just totally one-sided. Yeah, I get your
0: point there, that, um, that they, they really went out of their way to promote the bad side of it, as you were saying, to promote weaponization or armament against the presence.
1: Right, right.
0: How do you feel about the weaponization of space issue? Because I know uh, Dr. Stephen Greer is a hundred percent completely against it and it almost uh it, in some circles they say it's caused his movement to backfire that rather than just focusing on disclosure tell the people there's something going on he seems to have taken a moral stance or even a moral alignment with ets as you know they can only be good for us and therefore we don't need to do anything to defend ourselves um if there's bad ones there how do you uh, what's your take on that
1: Well, I am opposed to the weaponization of space because, quite frankly, I don't think it would uh, do any good. I mean, they've these uh, reports from some of these witnesses who have worked at military bases. They, you know, they were pilots, uh, piloting, uh, you know, our own air force pilots who were carrying nuclear weapons, and they saw these uh, UFOs just zipping around them, and one. Filmed one of one film is of a, I guess it was a dummy nuclear warhead, but it was on a missile going up, shooting up 13,000 miles an hour into the sky, and a UFO came around on two or three sides and shot a beam at it and knocked the, <laughs> the nuclear head In off. In that video, This was on video. film. Yeah, and and this is a pretty well-known story, and uh, so obviously they have technology that could you know neutralize uh, our our most destructive weapons that are not just destructive to our planet, but elsewhere. And uh, if they were really that hostile, they could, uh, you know, certainly have annihilated us before this time. And I believe that overall, I mean, I think the what people are saying is is not benevolent. These abductions. Uh, there's there's a camp that believes that the abductions are, you know. I don't know what kind of audience that is on here right now but very many <laughs> but, but I know there's a core
0: of um people that either are abductees or work with them.
1: Yeah. Well there's a whole uh there's a whole realm of thinking in that, you know, we come into this planet for a purpose, um not by accident, that we've made certain agreements uh of what we were going to accomplish when we came in to this lifetime and so there are are people who believe that a person who gets abducted, really that was their agreement before they came in, to be part of that kind of thing. And maybe they just forgot, and so it scares them or something like that. So, you know, there's, there's theories all over the place. Uh, I think overall there's, there's a mix. I think we, and that's why in this commission, the, the commission was meant to gather the best available evidence and try to evaluate the risks, as I said before, the risks, and the benefits of interacting with these extraterrestrial beings. Uh, I can't imagine that elsewhere in the universe there are not coexistence of opposites. You know, I don't think you could have a universe <laughs> if it was all just one side. So it's a matter of, you know, how, just like countries on Earth interacting, um, you send, uh, you know, disperse a dozen of your, uh, your listeners, uh, over to any other country, and they're going to have different experiences. Some will say, oh, my God, that's the best experience I had in my life. The other said, oh, I was kidnapped. <laughs> you know? And so you try to you try to make these generalizations about a particular population, and you just can't do it. There's more diversity on any street corner in a major American city than what most people think of going on in the rest of the universe.
0: Okay, yeah, I've seen the, our virtual auditoriums popped up with, three people now saying examples of, um, you know, there's people who call it a crime, a rape, or a violation specific to the abductee phenomena, mm-hmm. and one another uh, who identified herself as a contactee and not happy about it. <laughs> and someone else mentioning, the the like you were saying, actually, the planes and pilots who never come back. So it, it seems like, um, at least in the audience I have in the virtual auditorium, you know, people are, are quick to say that even if, like you were saying, the ABC special seemed to be a little one-sided. Um, I like that you finished that thought with both the risks and benefits, possible risks and benefits of continuing or engaging uh, any any sort of extraterrestrial presence. But um, do you think, if uh, you were saying that with all the technology we have, it really seems pretty useless against what they're able to do? Do you think? Uh, I'm just thinking aloud, honestly. Is that a reason to just stand down, or should we keep developing stuff 20, 50, or 100 years that may actually uh, work if we were truly confronted with something that sought to annihilate us?
1: Well, I think it needs to be generally acknowledged to the population that, yes, there have been these extraterrestrial visitors. This is what we know. And really to engage the public. I do not think that this. Whatever issues there are, I do not think that a secret group working outside the law, outside Mm -hmm. of congressional oversight, um, can accomplish what needs to be done for our whole human population. Really needs to be put out on the table for everybody to take a look at.
0: Yeah, there's people that were never voted into office that we don't know who they are that are making policy. And I guess with your background, you're all about the, the law and the power of the people, being the government. So you're, I, I understand what you're doing with this initiative is you really want to put this policy-making power back in the hands of the people, it sounds like.
1: That, that's right. I mean, just the informa- being informed, uh, being properly informed empowers people to make better decisions for themselves and to participate in the kinds of big decisions that need to be made. And you never know what kind of uh, solutions might come up I think I just think a lot of this the secrecy is not helpful at mm-hmm. this point there There's some amount of it that is when you're talking about national security issues, but to continue to deny the existence of these uh these extraterrestrial entities while at the same time uh oh, I mean that's part of it, you know, and then the other part is just that obviously. There are people within the government that have worked in these projects that know that there have been clean energy technologies that have been you know, either shared or reverse-engineered that are of an extraterrestrial origin that could be very helpful to us, and yet those continue to not make it into the public sector where we can enjoy the benefits of that. So I think that's part of the agenda of uh, people who want to protect the obsolete kind of fossil fuel industry. And one of the arguments about that over all this time is that, yeah. well, gosh darn it, you know, if we start providing uh, really cheap, clean energy to everybody, it would totally ruin the global economy. <laughs> well, our global economy is ruined now. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> pretty bad, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, we are we are very adaptable as a species. We can adapt to really terrible things, and families adapt to tragedies in the family, and to you know terrible painful kinds of health conditions. We we can't adapt to that and we live and we continue and we do the best we can. We can also adapt to good things. You know <laughs> clean energy. You know, uh we're just eight hundred, seven, eight hundred billion dollars is going in to prop up some failed institutions that probably weren't run properly and everybody's gonna say, Oh, we'll just adapt, we'll just absorb it. Well you know, I think we could probably adapt and absorb clean energy technology. So that's a part of it that I think gets pushed under the rug when the whole direction of the topic goes towards something that we'd be afraid of, that should be kept secret, should be kept from the people because they're not smart enough to, you know, to panic, to freak out, to jump off buildings. I, I think that's all wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I think just sharing information is, in general is healthy.
0: And that brings, like, that presents the need. I was going to, I just kind of I glanced at your uh, FAQ on your website, especially for people that uh, have joined us in, in the last hour. Uh, what you're working on is an extraterrestrial affairs commission needed at the local level in Denver, hopefully as a model for the world. Uh, tell us again, or, in, or you can expound upon what you've said, Why why do you feel this is needed in Denver, an extraterrestrial affairs commission?
1: Well, because what should have been done in a responsible and open way at the federal level has not been done for 60 years, mm-hmm. and enough is enough of that. I mean, there gets to be a point where citizens have to regain control mm-hmm. of government, of these important issues, and very often this kind of thing can only be done at the grassroots level because people at the federal level are so entrenched in their relationship with special interests, with secret groups that have their agenda they're controlling uh, influence in Congress and in the White House that it just is dysfunctional at that level so something like this becomes a very personal decision for people as well Uh, do you believe that there is life outside the uh, outside of Earth's atmosphere do you acknowledge that that is either good or bad or could be either one or both Uh, are you prepared to take some responsibility for your own life in regards to the kinds of, of issues that could come up with this new information you know it's like discovering columbus coming to the <laughs> to, to this area of the world and going back i mean you know if there was some if government was really sophisticated and had a, as much control as they do now you might find little groups of people in europe not knowing what's going on in America, <laughs> thinking that it's still you know off the edge of the world, and uh so you know it's just important that people become informed knowledge knowledge is power people need to be empowered to take responsibility for themselves and to you know we have to trust the people that okay, some will just run outside and start shooting away at anything that moves in the dark after they hear this news, but yeah. uh you know that you ha that's going to be the case with anything, any new information. But I think it's important just to get the information to people, and that's what this commission is going to do, really to brief the people with the same information that Congress, members of Congress have been briefed with. Uh, You're listening to Live from Roswell. I'm Guy
0: Malone, your host. We're discussing the Extraterrestrial Affairs Commission with Jeff Peckman at extracampaign.org. We're broadcasting globally on Paranormal Radio Network. 105.3 105.3 FM, UPRN in New Orleans, and on cell phones as well, all across the United States. Uh, you were just now discussing right there, Jeff, um, the the government disclosure. How much, if any, um, of this UFO extraterrestrial evidence do you feel has even begun to be disclosed by governments?
1: Well, other governments uh, outside the U.S., they've started a good faith effort to release files that they've had on this phenomenon, things they've been following, researched over the decades. Uh, The U.S. seems to be one of the last holdouts of the big countries. And so I would say that from the side of the U.S. government, uh, nothing is is officially being disclosed. Because as soon as they disclose anything at all, they're acknowledging that they've kept it secret for all these decades, and they don't seem to be going there yet. Um, What is being Disclosed is not so much information, but controlled misinformation to steer it, steer the whole response in a in a way that I think is ultimately not really healthy for the public, and and serves some limited agenda of a very small group of people. I think that's going on, and you could see that in the ABC special, um, and still in the military response where. Even very obvious things, sightings in Phoenix or or Texas, um, are still being dismissed.
0: Yeah, those are very high-profile cases with a lot of credible witnesses. Yeah. But it's not exactly shaken up our government or gotten anybody to uh, give us any more disclosure than we already knew from listening to the witnesses. Right.
1: I think they've just made a conscious choice to not disclose anything and then just to wait and see how it gets disclosed in the public, by the public, uh, you know, to the people, by the people, and then kind of steer it as they need to, kind of damage control if it seems like there's, you know, too much (laughs) of the information that they don't want out there, then I think that they'll step in. But I I do think that they're they're allowing the leakage of some information um, but still trying to guide it in a certain way. They're not trying to withhold it entirely but merely steer it steer in what direction for what purpose uh again in the direction of building up the military industrial Uh, complex weaponization of space those usual things
0: so if the extraterrestrials are uh, painted solely as villains that just builds up the military (laughs) all over again it gives funding for more weapons more wars and stuff like that
1: right more covert operations that that we don't know about. We'll never know how they're funded. We don't even know what they're doing. Mm. You mentioned um, the, the
0: impact free energy could have on the, the oil markets or at least our dependence on it. Is there any other reason you think um, a, our government in the U.S. would actually hide evidence of UFOs and stuff like that going on?
1: I think that's probably the biggest one. Uh, I mean, the weapons industry itself, which is huge, nuclear industry, all huge, all very influential in Congress and the White House. Um, I, I think originally, and Dr. Edgar Mitchell, the astronaut, also mentioned this and has been talking about it for a lot longer than I have, that uh, in the early 40s, mid-40s, when you the know, Roswell thing happened, I mean, by, th- by that time, uh, President Roosevelt had already... You can find this on the website. I might have it. I have a hard copy printed out. President Roosevelt sent out a memorandum stating that we have to acknowledge, I forget who he we was sending it to, but we have to acknowledge that our planet is not the only uh, planet harboring intelligent life in the universe. He was just stating a fact. And it was I think he, you know, he was already gone by the time that Roswell happened. And so at that time, with the War of the Worlds, which was intentionally created... To, yeah uh, to scare <laughs> people you a feeling on
0: that
1: <laughs> yeah I mean it was it was designed to scare people, and so there was that, and people really didn't know if these other kinds of objects coming around were left over from you know the Nazis or coming up with russia's you know communism and all that sort of stuff so there were there were legitimate reasons at that time to really be cautious, but uh I think very quickly it was seen that you know this could disrupt. Certain you know, the financiers and the, the big financiers in the world, uh, oil interests, um, and all that, and it was just kept that way for a long time. And I do believe that there was some legitimate concern that we were n- simply not mature enough as a species to grasp what was going on. And so one of the things that uh, there's actually a, a course that's taught on how the military has worked with Hollywood to. Start acclimating us the human species to these concepts of extraterrestrial visitations, starting with the day the earth stood still, which by the way was was done in nineteen fifty one and it was in nineteen fifty two and that took place in washington d c right yeah, the And movie. it was in nineteen seventy. You know they're doing a remake now, don't you? That's correct, and that's going yeah. what well, I think, uh, December. I just watched it again because it had been so long. I just got curious, so I watched it again. It was all in Washington, D.C., and it was the very next year when the, ex- the UFOs were hovering around Washington, D.C. for some hours, and they were photographed, and it was big news at that time, just at the very next year. And since that point, um, I had heard that... Uh, I don't know if Eisenhower was already in office by then, but uh, Truman had already organized people to basically squash the whole publicity of everything because they realized these other entities are are superior to us technologically and we can't fight back. We just have to, you know, maybe there's some way to maintain some friendly diplomacy here, but we can't let the people know because they'll freak out and they'll want us to do something and we don't know how to do anything. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, so they kind of pushed it under the
1: rug and kept it quiet and uh, but Edgar Mitchell you know, affirmed that this is all true and it's just coming out more and more so now it's obvious that they just can't keep it quiet anymore it's been leaking out, there's all these whistleblowers talking about it so it is a reality, we have to accept it uh, but we have to start, you know you can't just uh, be totally uninformed about some new reality and expect to be able to deal with it in any sensible way. What do you think uh, presidents have known since the 50s? Well, you know, there's a. If you go to my website, there's the page called Presidential ET Briefing, mm-hmm. and uh, down below there's a uh, there's on the right side number C. It says political leaders and the UFO phenomenon cover up. And if you go in there, you'll see five different. Uh, YouTube videos that start from with President Roosevelt and it goes to President Truman. And it's interesting, you know, Truman, I mean, gosh, to actually see Truman, President Truman, on a video is really weird. It's like, right? Gee, that's kind of like before time began. <laughs> you know? well, is he talking about UFOs? He was talking about UFOs. He was asked a question. He said, oh, yeah, we, we see him all the time. And they said do you ever talk to him talk about them in any of your your meetings with the military oh yeah every meeting we talk about them it's always some flying saucer out there <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it, so it's it's really fascinating I'd encourage all the people listening to go to that page and watch those it's each each of these videos is just about ten minutes long and it goes starts with Roosevelt and goes through all the presidents up to President Bush and uh, it's interesting that uh, of of the very major sightings that have gone on in the last decade or so. Um, one of them was Phoenix. Of course, Arizona's McCain. One of them was O'Hare Airport. So that's Illinois and that's Obama. One of them was over Alaska. So that's Palin. And I was looking for uh, Senator Biden, you know, what, what kind of UFO sighting has been in Delaware. And I just did a web search on it. And the first thing that came up or that caught my attention was... Somebody found a journal of a farmer who made a notation in his daily journal, which was mostly about the crops he was growing and you know when he did certain things. And he made a notation that he had seen a triangular machine or something up in the sky at night, and it was an equally, equal-sided triangle. And the interesting thing is that that was in 1905, 1905. 1905. Okay, and you see triangular, and then it went on to say that triangular crafts, UFOs, were not really reported until the 70s. 1970s. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's a
0: relatively new thing.
1: Yeah, and this guy was a prominent lawmaker. He was a pretty close to the DuPont family, and somehow this guy just came across this journal in a barn or something, you know. And I thought, well, you know, it's not one of the major sightings, but that's kind of unique in itself. (laughs) So, you know, this has been going on a long time. And, of course, you know of the, the crafts, the ex, you know, kind of UFOs appearing in Renaissance art and on caves that are thousands of years old. Obviously, it's going on. So really the question is, you know, we need to just get everybody up to speed on this in a hurry and then start sorting through it and say, what's real? What do we do? You know, and not leave so many people in the dark. That's just, that's just bad news.
0: Yeah, you think society in general,
1: I mean, I
0: did notice on your website you had that AOL poll uh, somewhere that came out, I think it was right after Edgar Mitchell's announcement, or once he started getting a lot of publicity very recently.
1: That's correct. An AOL
0: poll, so we were like up to, was it 93% believing in extraterrestrial life now?
1: Yeah, and 81% believing that they visited Earth. That was out of 135,000 people. That yeah, that's online.
0: big. That's not um, that's not us talking amongst ourselves, preaching to the choir, or me asking people that listen to the Paranormal Radio Network. Do you believe that that was AOL's poll on a regular news story? Huh?
1: Right. Right. Over hundred
0: thousand people.
1: It was not a scientific poll. We have to acknowledge that. So people who were reading the article at all might have already been predisposed towards believing that. But those figures are not that much higher. Than what scientific polls have been in the last ten to twenty years. Still, 60, 70 percent uh, have been answering the same way. You know, majority of the population believes it, and uh, you know they believe they visited. Uh, even this this video alien in the window video, local poll, forty percent of the people, forty-three percent believe that that was true, and. The other, the rest of the percentages was all broken down into smaller percentages of, you know, was it a cow? Was it a pig? Was it a tree? Was it none of the above? So the biggest category, forty-three percent, that was by far the largest category. People believe that was a genuine extraterrestrial being. And you said you you yourself
0: saw that video when it was uh, played at the town meeting. Or yes, press. I saw
1: I saw the video. Now, you found it kind of convincing. It was convincing, because I was already convinced, and uh, Stan has just so much evidence, all kinds of stuff. Um, And one of the things, you know, going back to this uh, friendly versus not friendly, um, there was one instance where he was uh, taken, you know, he sort of disappeared from his house. But interestingly enough, and then he, he showed up on the front lawn in this sort of burned circle mark which had some you know unique radiation properties to it and uh, inside the circle but not outside the circle so there's something that was going on but he was just a couple days away from getting surgery on his leg for uh, an injury and uh, he was actually in a cast waiting for surgery and when he was you know left back in his lawn what was next to him was his cast or his uh, brace, that was sort of like melted to the bricks. <laughs> <laughs> Ow! And his leg had some kind of unique surgery done on it It was not done by uh, you know a regular doctor, and he was basically fixed. And I've heard another report by a man who was pretty scared of his contact experiences. Call it abduction, if you need to. And the end result was that he reported that these these extraterrestrial beings had s- sucked, basically sucked, the cigarette tar out of his lungs.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, well, and it was really kind it of a,
1: a, a fume, a fume that really, really stank, really bad. It was like hideous for him. But and he didn't know what it was. They gave it to him in a box, this goopy gunk, and like as a gift. And he said, "Well, I'm like this is a gift." <laughs> <laughs> this is stinks. I can't stand even to look at. It. And they said that was what was your, in your in your lungs. That's what we took out from you. That's one. You see, uh, so there's those kinds of you know. That, that's the flip side of some of these abduction stories. There was something. It was a way to demonstrate to people what could be offered to our human population
0: if they were helpful. And like you said, we I guess we've covered a little bit of both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. There's a for some. According to many reports, there's a lot of torment and torture, and sadistic evil going on. You know, according to the experiencers, and others have reported some I don't know good side effects or good reports.
1: Yeah, well, I will, and then you know, you, you remind me that uh, one of the things that Dr. Greer has has uh, become aware of through many of these whistleblowers who actually worked in these kinds of projects is that the government itself, elements within our government, have the ability to stage an alien abduction and to do that kind of thing as part of their agenda to create fear, <laughs> fear about ETs. And, he's, and he says these, this was reported to him by whistleblowers who actually did that on behalf of the government.
0: I've read his paper on that. It's very interesting as far as it's the agenda you said of uh, weaponizing space. You know, making sure that the military-industrial complex gets their share and keeps getting funded, right? Right. You've got a note up, or a little cautionary note on your website that says, Beware of negative PR tactics against UFO, ET, disclosure, advocates. What is going on with that? What kind of negative tactics are you seeing?
1: Well, if you were to go to that <laughs> website that's, uh, that's listed there, or else it's on a link to another page, One of my favorite websites is called Mm prwatch.org. And these two guys that run it are are really top-notch investigative reporters, and their specialty is to expose kind of sinister PR campaigns that are employed by corporations, by government, PR firms that uh, that actually fabricated a story to get the U.S to be involved in the first Persian Gulf War. It was a story about Iraqi soldiers taking babies out of their incubators and putting them on the floor or something like that. It never happened. It looked like it was they staged a congre- what looked like a congressional testimony reporting this atrocity, which never happened. And it was broadcast all over the news and really kind of you got Americans to rally for that. There's one other instance that I refer to. How where- did you get something that
0: never happened, that much exposure? I mean, did they
1: offer up a fake video or something? Yeah, yeah. They just they just faked it and they just filtered it, you know, uh, filtered it out to the media they that they had it. influence with, and it was just played over and over and over again. A lot of what we see as is news isn't news. It's, it's created by corporations through PR firms, and then the news uh, media they just kind of download it, and oh, here's the news, you know.
0: That break was brought to you by, <laughs> Joe, I've told you, don't play rap music on my program. <laughs> but I don't know what that was. I didn't hit a button. I don't think you did either.
1: But um, it's the government. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they didn't want this coming out. Yeah, so anyway, um, that, there's a lot. Of, well, well, one very good, uh, again, go to PR Watch. If you look up the terms California Raisin Board, you'll see a story of how One guy wrote a book about all the poisons that he discovered on California Raisins. And so California Raisin Board got a PR firm involved and some key people in government, and they tried to discredit this person to the extent of one person pretending to be his booking agent, calling up all the places where he was booked to give a lecture and book signing, and (laughs) canceling. Canceling his tour. (laughs) And, you know, so if that's what people would will do over raisins,
0: you mm-hmm. can
1: imagine the sophisticated kind of PR campaign that's going to surround protecting the fossil fuel industry, the nuclear industry, the weapons industry, the pharmaceutical, the financials, you know. It's just very, very involved. Um, one thing that I've, I'm trying to do, that there's a special kind of technology that's been created that actually might have an application in this whole realm uh, of you know, addressing the concerns of extraterrestrial intelligent beings with some kind of negative uh, intentions towards human beings. And it's called Metatron Technology. It's on a website that I... It's actually a business website, but there are several of these programs that have been developed that are actually free, and people can download it, and they can try it out. And one of the side benefits is it just creates a comfortable environment for you around your computer or electronics because it reduces the chaos the inherent chaos within man- man-made electromagnetic fields so that's a good enough reason to try it and there's several free things people can download but one program that's being developed just specifically for this purpose is one that supposedly will uh, the intention is that it will kind of reflect you know if there's some negative intention coming to our planet I mean I'm, I'm going out on you know into some new territory here with you but negative intentions coming to our planet from any less-than-ethical extraterrestrial beings would be reflected back to them with a kind of love, just a very positive feeling of love to kind of transform that negative intention, sort of on a very global scale, what you might do on a person-to-person scale if somebody is just very hostile towards you. If you've really got your act together you might just reflect that, rather than reacting in a negative way, reflect that back to them with a lot of compassion, a lot of love, a lot of friendliness, and kind of transforming, redirecting their negative intentions, their negative energy into something more beneficial. I mean, this is just a very basic kind of human interaction thing. But this technology is designed uh, in, with the intention of doing that on a, a more, much bigger scale. And sure, it's something that people will be able to download probably within a week from my website, but that's just, that's a little bit off the topic. But it just shows you that you know, as we have these concerns, there will be, as a, as we perceive a problem arising in this whole situation of interacting with these extraterrestrial beings, there will also be solutions that arise. But the solutions will not arise if everybody's just totally kept in the dark about the, the whole reality neat. That's a good way to
0: sum up. I want to remind people extracampaign.org is uh, your website where you're working on getting uh, this initiative before the city of Denver and the voters. But you've also got a link on there for petition signing um, to where people that do not live in Denver can sign your petition just to let the city of Denver know how many people in the world are watching and how important this is to other people. And as you
1: said, that Denver could become a model city, right? That's correct, and people can if they they feel that this is important for the world, even if they want to tell the city that it's important because we have to protect ourselves, that's a good enough reason mm-hmm. to contact the city as well,
0: very good, and
1: they can be a model city if they
0: uh respond to enough uh pressure or enough input both outside and within Denver. There's one more thing though we talked about uh I think on email uh, right before the program is uh just we got like two minutes here. Something's coming up October 14th that you know a little bit about. Uh, do you want to share your thoughts on this prediction with us?
1: Well, you know, there are people in the world who seem to have the skill um, of connecting with other intelligence, angels, uh, extraterrestrial beings telepathically, call themselves channelers or something like that. And one such person, especially, has predicted, received some message that there would be a major a demonstration, a showing of an extraterrestrial craft from a very friendly species on October 14th, at least in one place in the world, perhaps over Alabama somewhere, or maybe in many places in the world. It's not a, not a guarantee because, you know, something like that would generally raise various concerns and so if the concerns turn into fear, or a hostile attack on this craft, and perhaps it won't show up then, but that it probably would not be a long delay, uh, primarily because it's felt that the time is really now when human beings need to grasp this reality that there is extraterrestrial life elsewhere in the universe. It's visiting Earth. We need to start talking, <laughs> getting acquainted, a kind of meet and greet, and get on with our respective uh, lives and if they can, we can do something together to improve our, our quality of our lives in the universe, then we should do that sooner rather than later. Uh, other people have said that this might be part of a staged demonstration by, again, this secret uh. government uh, to manipulate the psychology of the population in the direction of fear, and again, you know, demanding weaponization of space to protect us. So. Uh, I don't know. I guess it, well, we just have to see what happens. I have a colleague
0: in Nashville who will be speaking this summer with us in Roswell who has definitely let me know that he will beeline down to Alabama if this thing does blow up and get big. So um, on the Saturday night after October 14th, we'll be covering that if anything happens as best we can. But thanks for uh, reminding us of that. Maybe you heard it here first on Live from Roswell. I want to say thank you, Jeff, and thank you to everybody uh, for listening to us tonight. And tonight's program is going to be archived online. So if you missed the beginning or if you just want to uh, share this with someone, it's www.livefromroswell.com. Don't be shy, tell folks about us. And I invite you to stay tuned for the latest episode of John Greenwald Jr.'s Black Vault Radio, which will be following uh, these, this break and these messages on the Paranormal Radio Network. Thanks again, Jeff. It was a pleasure having you.
1: Thank you very much for having me on. And if people want to know about this other technology, it's at worldpeacemarket.com.
0: Right on. Check it out. And God bless everybody. Until the cows come home, I'm Guy Malone. Stay tuned for John Greenwald on the Paranormal Radio Network.